Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into the library of everyone's favorite wall-crawling menace and his amazing corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm your host, J.J. Hodges, and today I am once again joined by the always awesome Nico Caruso from the Vigilante 1939 podcast. How the heck are you today, sir? Man, I'm 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 very excited. First of all, because and I say this every time, and I'm going to continue to say it every time. Every time we do a show together, it's just an awesome conversation. We talk about amazing things. Yes, we stay on topic, but so many other wonderful life things come up, which I think plays super well for an episode. Sure. But second of all, uh, we're talking about my favorite Spider-Man issue of all time. One that when you said you were doing this podcast, I'm pretty sure the first thing I ever told you was this will be mine. This will be the thing I talk about, and yeah. it cannot go to anyone else. Or I will <laughs> eradicate every podcast application forever so that <laughs> no one will ever listen to any show again. I'm there, just kidding. But there, happy to be here, sir. There was some language that we will not repeat here. Uh, <laughs> no, exactly. But, <laughs> but but seriously, you know, you you threw that out almost immediately because I is our first episode, you know, with you and your father. I said, you guys want to do Amazing Fantasy? And, and of course, you know, you said, yes, you're, you guys are always uh, gracious uh, guests and, uh, and friends, of course. Um, of course. And, and then you said, oh, is it, can I suggest something else? And I said, of course. And you said that, and you're like, nobody else gets it. It's mine, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's mine. You were, you were one of the first people I reached out to anyway with uh, doing this show because I knew you were a big Spider-Man fan. And there's been other people I've reached out to. Uh, Namely, uh, our our good buddy Ryan Lauer. I said, "Hey, you interested in coming on?" He's like, "I really only read Batman stuff." <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Which fair. it's on brand for him. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. He's the he's the Batman book club guy. So I was like, "Okay, yeah, no problem." Um, I've still I still bug him every now and then. So <laughs> maybe someday. Well, you guys, uh, what you guys should do is you should do um, on your show what I did with him is where you do the two issues of the Spider Man Batman crossover. I I um, did I did suggest that and he had turned me down because of you. <laughs> because oh, because was, I did with him. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. No, I just thought that was funny because he's like, you know, the oh the I was like, would you want to do that? Maybe we do the Batman Spider-Man one on yours and the Spider-Man Batman one on mine. And he said, well, the the Crusoes have already called it, and it was like that meme of Seinfeld, well, I'm right? Sorry, going like <laughs> Newman. It was like that. I was like Crusoes. <laughs> My bad <laughs> oh it's all good it's all good it worked out i had another guest that picked them and uh he and i had great uh conversation about it and we're going to continue that later this year um so this issue we are talking about today amazing spider-man number 300 uh which was the 25th anniversary of spider-man uh written by dave oh, oh boy i'm so sorry david david michelini that's what Maybe. I say. Some people say Michelini, but I think Michelini. with all those letters and syllables, the yeah. the ch becomes a k. So I say Michelini. That's what I've always said. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna we're gonna go with that. And sir, if I'm saying it wrong, if you're listening to this, please educate me and be a guest. Um, uh, penciled and inked by Todd McFarlane, who is uh, a uh, you know classic genius in his own right. The Father. <laughs> exactly uh colored by bob sharon and lettered by rick parker and this issue came out january 12th of 1988 so it was just after uh i was six months old how about that oh wow <laughs> look at that it was a late first or it was a late birth present exactly <laughs> exactly later um i i gotta say nico like reading this issue which i i really loved i was so excited reading it you know i mean it, 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 there's very i can count on one hand the number of spider-man stories i've truly disliked in my life they either mm-hmm. go from yeah that was fun or wow that was amazing you know what i mean and pun intended. yeah uh, <laughs> so there's there's only a couple here and there that i've been like oh that was terrible um but uh so for you this being your favorite thing of all time uh what what uh what what is it about it that that drew you in that that you said 
I'll kill anyone who says they have this yeah, one. Right? <laughs> I'll, uh, venom, I'll venom them, I swear to God. I'll venom them I'll, I'll choke I'll them go, with my symbiote. <laughs> I'll go full symbiote. I'll go full emo Toby Maguire and just ruin some day, kick some dirt in, in people's eyes and do a strange dance after. No, so for me, uh, why this is my favorite thing in the world is it's, are there probably better written Spider-Man issues? 100%. But it's just the whole, from start to finish, the look, everything this is, as I've said, I think on previous shows, um, my favorite thing about Spider-Man is him in the black symbiote costume or just in the black costume in general, even when it's, you know, his cloth fabric one. It's just the coolest look for me from a very young age. Um, It was the coolest thing for me uh, watching the 90s animated series with my dad. The Alien Saga episode happens in that first season. There's the Mm -hmm. three parts. And then getting the action figures, the shirts with the logo on it. That was my favorite thing. So then when I was finally getting into Spider-Man comics around that time, um, the early 2000s, my dad is like, okay, do you want to see the comic where Venom came in? And I remember how cool the cover is. It's Spidey in the black suit with all those 300s right away. One of my favorite comic covers ever. And then just reading the story was different than what I watched on the animated series because Spidey was in his black suit too. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like he was fighting himself. And in reading the issue and just having so much fun with it and seeing really what Venom was and how he was originally created. And the issue was very scary, which I thought was cool. It was cool to see the villain be so menacing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, what I liked and what I did get from a young age is by the end of it, you know, he has to get rid of the black because of Venom and go back to the classic thing. So it's a really symbolic issue, too. Of it's, And I really believe this is what Michelini went for, um, or maybe it's what the editors went for, is the whole idea of the black suit. And even though he was gone with the symbiote, there had to be a change back to the classic suit. And I love that it was this encounter with Venom that made him do that. So as I aged and have loved the story more and more, it, it, it takes on a different symbolic meaning as well. But truly my foundation of it was as simple as Todd McFarlane's art and oh. the fact that it was black suit Spidey fighting Venom. They look the same, but of course, one hero, one villain. So it's as simple, as simple as that. And then over the years, it's become more and more uh, symbolic and profound for me. I I love that you said it that way, you know, acknowledging that maybe there are better written uh, Spider-Man comics or whatever, because Mm -hmm. I think something that sort of in a weird way changed my life uh, was on a podcast I was listening to, you know, they had said, just because it's your favorite thing doesn't mean it has to be the best thing. True. I love and, that. I love separating that idea sometimes. Yeah. And and yeah, because I what, what kicked it in for me was like, oh, yes, because my favorite Batman movie is probably Batman 89. But yeah. I do acknowledge it's not the best Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that, you know, be, and, you know, because that is instilled in me as a child and even with Spider-Man, the animated series and learning about like, you know, how they I, I didn't realize this as a kid. But you know, like you know, we've talked about before, like they weren't they weren't allowed to have Spider Man punch anybody. Yeah, it, it still gets me every time. Yeah, every time I go back and watch, I'm like, wow, wait, he really doesn't. No, he doesn't. And there's no guns; it's all lasers, and mm-hmm. like it's and it's so bizarre with the contrast of on the same network, the the Batman animated series, how they just were like, oh, we're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> we're just gonna go full brutality. Yeah, yeah, and like to the point where it was like, holy crap, like you know, uh, but. But the, but this, I, I, I would argue that the animated Spider-Man show, just as much as Batman, holds up um, today. Oh, very much so. And it, what I was excited about reading this issue was that, you know, when you have a character like Eddie Brock, he's, even in this, where he's very antagonistic, he yeah. still has a layer of, you, you kind of feel for him a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. idea that... Um, he said, I, I was at the end of my rope and I wanted to kill myself, and but I was raised Catholic. So I went to every church I could to pray for forgiveness. Yeah. And it's and it reminded me of uh, Spider-Man 3. And say what you will about Spider-Man 3. I have said plenty of bad things. Um, but I will say that one of my favorite aspects of the movie that I wish was 
I, I wish it had been two parts because if we'd yeah, gotten yeah. a Venom Spider-Man proper uh, was at, you know, towards the end when, you know, uh, Brock goes into the church and says, you know, yeah. I want you to kill Peter Parker. It's, it's so dark and twisted, especially growing up Catholic that his prayers kind of get answered. <laughs> you know, it's, they do. It's, 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 it's scary. I, it's scary. And I, and that is one thing I love that even though that movie Spider-Man three does take a lot of, from the nineties series, mm-hmm. I still love that the nineties series does still draw from here. And that idea, right. right. Um, which is, which is really cool to see even in um we always like to give points here us comic nerds when something in the film or tv when they really try to draw from the source material and it right, might not right. always work but there's just the respect that they went for it so yeah i love that you brought that up it, that you know and i still maintain that i think given a proper film as opposed to just like a, a rushed third act i think tofer would have been a great eddie brock because i think I he was a great eddie brock especially as you, as we had read him in the ultimate comics at that time yes um but so that that's more the way they were taking him uh and then tom hardy went kind of classic 80s um mm-hmm. with with his portrayal uh and 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 neither one's wrong it's just you know a- anyone worth their salt will watch the movie and go yeah they could have they yeah yeah but again we're not talking about that <laughs> but uh one thing i i loved was um you know showcasing the 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 terror how terrifying venom is mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. right away the first thing we see is mary jane just cowering in fear and uh and and even like peter later he's like my spider sense isn't going off but i still feel like there's something wrong here and and then he realizes oh it's the symbiote it doesn't trigger my my spider sense so therefore venom can fight me which is just the it, you know, it makes that aspect of Spider-Man that much scarier, right? Because he can't, mm-hmm. he can't, he he has to really be that much smarter and not rely on his, you know, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, crutches, right? To to protect him in this sense, you know what I mean? I do. I, you know, that's the one thing, and and I love how you brought up the terror and how formidable Venom is, because that's why I love going back to this issue because the character has become a marquee Marvel character, especially mm-hmm. in terms of the comic books, the way he sells and yep. he's going to have his own film trilogy that have both made a lot of money. I know two came out in the pandemic, but for at that time, what it made was a lot compared right. to what other movies were making. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows who Venom is. Kids know who Venom is. And, you know, also though, in the comics, which, you know, we talked about on a on our last time we recorded together when we did an Absolute Carnage. You know, Venom has become an anti-hero. And yep. rightfully so. You know, uh, we both said we like when characters evolve and we like when characters can change over time. And a lot of the heavy hitter ones kind of stay the same way. So it's those other ones that really get to mold and change. And while I like that for him now, it is awesome to go back and see when he was introduced. He was terrifying. And at this moment in time, I firmly believe and I would challenge any other ideas on it at this time in Spider-Man's career, it's the hardest villain he went up against for the reasons you just said, not only is his spider sense not working, he has the same skill set and powers and he looks like him yep. and he is scaring people because they think that's him. So it, it, it sets up. And even though this is a self-contained issue, um, even though they tease venom at the end of, you know, 298 and 299 um, right before this, this is a pretty, it gives Spider-Man pretty high stakes here. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty well, it's a really well written and executed conflict for him in one issue where you put him in this really hard situation with a lot of things to consider. And on top of it, I'll just keep going back to this. It looks freaking cool. How, how about this too? Mm-hmm. I love this look for Venom because I actually prefer him sometimes, not all the time with this whole way he was originally created without the tongue. Okay. He does yeah. not have his tongue coming out, right? It's just the teeth when he smiles. He doesn't really have the tongue hanging out everywhere, which has become a thing that happened, you know, like the 90s, etc. Right. So sometimes I like just going back to this classic Venom look because he looks so much more like Spider-Man than just larger and scarier. And But the tongue is really what separates him now. But just having that closed mouth and those teeth sometimes, it really – it's such a cool design. What Todd did with this, it's, it's so cool. It, it will always be my favorite Venom look. 
which might be a hot take, but it is for me. (laughs) No, I, I, you know, I'm kind of with you there. Um, I, if, if I had any critique and I realized, you know, this being the first appearance of Venom, but I, I, it's like, I, I prefer the, uh, the, like the the shark teeth as opposed to like the regular human looking sure teeth. sure that that's the only thing that for me was like not disappointing but me looking at it going oh you know it, like oh he's just got regular teeth it, he still looks scary don't get me wrong mm-hmm. like just having that that hulking you know bigger spider-man smile that and it just looks evil right yeah, you know so sure. it's that's it's still as even with like the human teeth it's still a scary image um, but again, like you were saying, I like that he's evolved and he's gotten scarier and he's this kind of weird, you know, you know, anti-hero that he looks terrifying, but is technically a good guy kind of thing, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of like Batman, I guess, you <laughs> know, in a, in a in weird, a way. just, just in that sense, probably only. Um, but I like that Eddie Brock just, um, you know, th- there was a reality and, you know, I say this every single time. There's an emotional reality to it where Eddie admits to getting greedy. And he said, yeah. well, you you ruined my life because I published this story about the Sin Eater that turned out to be false because Spider-Man found the real Sin Eater. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, and it's one of those things where, you know, again, there's a reality to it. Uh, excuse me, for, for me sitting there going, I see where Eddie would be angry about that. But at the same time, I like that Eddie still acknowledges maybe I got a little too carried away. I got too greedy. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's like, okay, but go to therapy, man. Like you gotta realize this is all on you. Right. Like Spider-Man did the right thing and you kind of read, <laughs> read a lot of human elements in there too. A lot of yeah. human elements because what I like that they do with Eddie Brock is they put him in a very similar situation to Peter, where you know he needs a job, he needs work and everything. And mm. it kind of raises that question. As simple of an issue as it might appear, there is, like I said, a lot more complex things you could start talking about, which why I love it so much is, yeah, sometimes how desperate do people get when they're, you know, when they're down bad, right? When they're out of luck and, you know, he needed to do that. He did get greedy and then he did what he thought he needed to do. It turned out to be wrong. He's acknowledging that at the same time, you know, sometimes it's hard to always condemn people outside of being, you know, violent or physically hurting people, et cetera. There's a lot of things, but when you're really trying to, make ends meet you some people feel like they have to do what they have to do you know and this is an example of that he acknowledges it and um you know but you're right go to therapy do not go go praying for peter parker's demise Um, spider-man's demise what um what, what really struck me you know again was right at the beginning of the issue you know and i think it's it's sort of classic horror movie moment and yeah. Uh, you know, like the Watchmen movie, I, I feel like one of the best decisions that movie made was having the movie open with the fight between the comedian and his attacker, oh, yeah. which, of course, spoiler alert for, you know, 14 year old movie and, <laughs> yeah, we're, and we're a 35 year old comic. Uh, the It's it's, you know, it's Ozymandias. But I think that the movie opening that way, it 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 gave us some really interesting stakes. And in a way, I could almost see it the way Mary Jane was describing it. I could almost see the venom in the shadows coming in saying, where's your boyfriend? You know, I'm here to kill mm-hmm. him. And mm-hmm. and she just being so freaking terrified that she can't think straight. And, and, you know, it, and that's a feeling that I'm sure a lot of people, especially women go through in, in certain situations. Absolutely. And, and, it, and it's a scary feeling to feel helpless. And I, I think we've all felt that way at a certain point, hopefully not to this extent where someone breaks into our home. Cause that's yeah, terrifying. Exactly. Because that's where we're supposed to be safe, right? Um, but I, you know, I, I love that Peter just, I, I, you know, I love that that Peter, you know, she's like, we got to get out of here. I can't live here anymore. And he was like, yeah, okay, we'll mm-hmm. we'll do it. And and it's funny to me that the way it was written <laughs> was very like '80s writing, where it's like the woman feels bad that she makes more money than the man. Where it's like, well, this was clearly written by a man in the '80s because I think yeah. nowadays. If I met a woman and she made more money than me, I'd be like, I, I, if anything, I'd just be like, can I have some money? <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you mind, um, you mind helping pay my car off a little bit? Um, right. But, uh, cause I, I don't, I wouldn't mind that at all. If my, no, if my significant other made more money. If it is, it is right. Yeah. And I think a more modern day approach would be that, but, um, but I did still like that, you know, she was, 
there's there's a cute bit there where she's like, why don't you take some pictures of me? Be a fashion photographer. And he's like, it's almost like even it was even though it was like nine years before the movie came out, he was almost channeling like an Austin Powers, right? You know, <laughs> so like oh. if they go, I was like, I wonder if this was Austin Powers inspired. It couldn't have been because Austin Powers didn't exist at that point. But when he's like, yeah, baby, yeah, show me what you got. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I can't do this. And I, I thought that was just so funny and so cute because it just speaks to the the nerdiness of Peter Parker, right? That of course. E- even him trying to be like sexier or whatever is just he's just not very good at that. <laughs> it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. I like that you brought up both these things. One, the horror movie element, because that kind of plays throughout the issue too, not just with what Venom does to MJ, but the way he keeps, you know, surprising Peter and yep. the suspense builds up in the few times they interact because they do interact a few different times here. Yeah. And yeah. each time he comes back, it gets scarier and scarier. And it's really putting Peter in this crazy situation, which once, once again, great stakes for conflict, also cool character use for Venom. Yeah. Um, and in an issue that opens very scary, it keeps that tone throughout the whole thing. So it's consistent, which I like. The other totally. thing you brought up is this is a time in comics that i really like peter and mj's relationship uh-huh. and like you said for the little bits like that you see the the classic peter come out but just to see them on the same page and uh for most of it at least is so refreshing and uh uh-huh. i'm someone who believes i'm in the camp now who believes while the current amazing run i'm not going to give spoilers why the current amazing run i think is some of the best amazing stuff in 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 years consistently uh-huh. um I still am in the camp of at this time he should have gotten the Spider-Man right now should have the Superman treatment in the comics right now where he's firm in his relationship with MJ. Mm-hmm. They're together. They have kids and we can explore Spider-Man being a dad in main continuity consistently. I yes. know there's been things done, but I mean, in main continuity, I, I know there's a lot of discourse around that and there's a whole, <laughs> who is actual true love argument is, which I love having, which, which I love having. And I, and I get that idea, but with what we have here, it has been Peter and MJ for years. And I think that's what it should be. So it's cool to see him good here. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's how it, that's how I would want it now, but that's just not the case. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. That's a different uh, topic. It's a different show. I no, I, I, I'm with you there though, because I think that there's a, uh, there's an argument to be made that the stories can be just as interesting if they're together versus if they're not together. Exactly. Because, exactly. Because I'd argue that when they are together, they can make each other stronger and that makes for better Mary Jane stories too, you know, mm-hmm. because in, instead of having her be the damsel in distress, which she can often was in the, in the books yeah. as, as the girlfriend, as you know, the girlfriend to wife is a totally different story. And not that totally Mary Jane as a single woman can't be a strong, independent woman. But I think, you know, on that tangent for just another moment, the, the way I'm reading Superman comics is feeling like, well, Lois Lane is a strong, independent woman because, you know, because she gets to be that support system for Superman and he gets to be that support system for her. So they make each other stronger. Yeah, and I also don't want to piss off any feminists because if Lois Lane was no, single, hundred percent, she's Lois Lane, no matter what. Mary oh, Jane yeah. is Mary Jane, no matter what. I I'm just saying that single people versus married people, it's it's a completely different dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and when characters are together, like you said, there's ways to make them stronger. It's why you know, even though I'm not huge and I no longer watch it. One thing I did like about Superman and Lois was seeing them as parents. Yes. And seeing someone like Lois Lane be able to have that dichotomy between being a mother, wife, and, you know, a journalist like she always was. And I think when you start giving characters, like you said, it's not just that they're together and they make each other stronger. They take on a whole new meaning of a human being. Human beings, we evolve, we adapt. Our responsibilities grow. And I think, like you said, MJ spent so much time being this damsel in distress. I think making her a consistent mother and wife and having more stakes on her own life and her as a character would allow her to evolve just as much as it would Peter. So I agree with you there. Yeah. And, And again, it's not to say that she wasn't that way before. It's mm-hmm. it's just oh, yeah. It's a whole other dynamic, and and again, I want to stress that because I don't want to make it seem like men make women women stronger. Obviously, not the case. No, um, not the case. My you know my daughter would be just 
probably just fine without me. Uh, but I don't ever want to live in that world. Uh, yeah, so, no, that, that's not a world we want to exist. Yeah, friend. but, you know, anyway, I hope everyone knows what we mean here. Of course, um, I, I hope. If yeah, not, well, we're, we're sorry, but I think we did a good job. Yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not. It. You know, we're we're, fa- we're you know we're fans here. We're not uh... <laughs> we're not Andrew Tate here. So yeah, <laughs> there you go, there you go. Uh, we're not we're not we're, what we're not saying is what James Cameron said about Wonder Woman back in the day was yeah, that, that's, that that's he a big no, no. he didn't like Wonder Woman because he felt that women are only stronger if they go through trauma. And yeah, I that's... and I I'm happy to say that a lot of women, including Patty Jenkins, they called. You know, pardon my language, but they call bullshit on that immediately. Oh, um, so oh, yes. I I'm with all of them on that. That no, you and part of the reason James Cameron has super turned me off in the past several years, not yeah. not just the fact that Avatar needs to get a million sequels. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's one layer of many layers of Mr. Cameron <laughs> lately. So that's I digress. We're 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 moving on from that because that's a whole other episode and conversation. Um, but um, you know, I I liked that the the all the characters in this um, that you know, like like you were saying, there's a horror element that's throughout it. Um, but and I like that it it like any great story, it's it's hard to pin down the the quote unquote genre, right? Because there's very funny moments in it when they're moving into there their are, new house. There are, you know, there's the guy with like kind of the crazy mohawk that's like you know two feet tall looking at harry's hair and he's going whoa what's up with that guy's hair you know it's yeah it's such a silly like 80s 90s joke that probably wouldn't get made today but still made me laugh because i thought you know the funny thing is that we've all been saying that about harry and norman's hair (laughs) for you know as long as we've been watching these things going geez what what is up with their hair though (laughs) um and then having you know that cameo with Harry and Flash and um, Robbie Robertson. It just, it just, even though they're not in the book for very long, it adds to that that world building. Like it, it, it feels real because sometimes there's, you know, you're going to see your friends, but you're only going to see them for a little bit because they're helping you move. You know. Yes, exactly. Or you're only going to see, you know, uh, you, you know. Uh, you know, your new place for just a little bit, because then you have to, you get called into work. Right. You know, yeah, right. You have stuff to do. It, it it really adds a nice adult layer to it's a slice of life into adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think tense adulthood <laughs> and so, some of the more boring parts of adulthood too. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh, well like help me move and well, let's discuss work, you know, well, okay. You know, that's fine. Let's talk about this job. But right now I got to leave because my other job is calling um, as as Peter does with Harry. And and I like and and I like Mary Jane's, you know, commitment to Peter that he says that she says, I I was with you for better or for worse. And I meant it because that that to me, you know, again, feels feels real. You know, it, it makes their their relationship stronger. And again, like I was talking about, like the photo shoot they were doing earlier, I like that she was kind of like, well, you know, we could always do something for our private collection. And he was like, oh, OK. Um, yeah. I, you know, just just cute little moments like that. Um, and and again, I, I still admit that the way Mary Jane was written, a lot of it a little too like. Yeah. And drawn. a guy in the 80s writing it. But yeah. um, and drawn. Don't forget. Right. The yeah. Yeah. For drawn. sure. <laughs> but still kind of but still. But that's there was that moment still felt real to me. I've had girlfriends be like that before. Be like, oh, you had a bad day. Well, hey, let me make it better. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So there's a there's a little bit of a whoa. Okay. You know. Um, and and I liked that because again, it 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 shows what the comic book could do that was interesting and fun and real versus what the animated series did like six years later. Um. Which is still is is less risque, obviously, but <laughs> yes, uh, but still kind of cool and fun. Where Mary Jane is, you know, saying, "Oh, you know, your friend showed up," and he's like, "Oh, no, no, he's not my friend. He's a weirdo. We got to get away from him." And there's yeah. just and 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 there's a. It, it always makes me laugh. I don't think they intended it this way, but when he says, "Mary Jane, just listen to me. Brock's a weirdo. We got to get away from him. Please don't question me on this." And she just goes, "Okay." It's <laughs> just yeah, yeah. okay. I trust like, you. And, you know, it's just sort of again. There's a reality to that, but just how quickly and again, it's a story. 
thing. But how quickly she was just like, okay, you know, like, yeah, I believe uh, you. Yeah, it's you know, there's every now and then you gotta you gotta just trust your partner, I guess. But that, and I think partially that that cracks me up because my daughter who loves to say what else and why every chance she gets once oh, in a sure. while she'll uh <laughs> she'll she'll that that'll be her answer we'll listen, a song will come on on my playlist and she'll go what's this song called and i'll say oh it's called good by better than ezra and she'll go okay yeah just okay and i'm like okay <laughs> all right i guess that's all i'm getting yeah uh and then and then a little bit later she's like can we listen to frozen I'm like okay so <laughs> purse is frozen Oh yeah, I you know she's lucky. I love Disney movies. Uh, but, she is. Uh, she yeah. is. <laughs> um, the the fun, but again, going back to this issue, I what I didn't realize going into it was that like you were talking about before, it is the black suited Spider Man versus Venom, and mm-hmm. that aspect of it, I thought, you know, like you 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 were talking about this earlier, it just was so it visually so cool, right? You know, it's, it's so cool. There's something about when a hero has to fight himself or his doppelganger or whatever that we as fans i i I, you know maybe i'm just speaking for myself but i gobbled that stuff up i'm like yes like this is so cool you know the 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 emotional reality being that peter is literally fighting his inner demons he has Mm -hmm. to fight his mistakes right and that's and and what's great about that is that in peter even acknowledges it when he tries to use the Mr. Fantastic uh, sonic gun on him. He's like, I, it's not coming apart off of him like it did with me. So it's fully bonded yeah. with him. So yeah. not only is Peter fighting his past mistakes, but his mistakes are stronger and scarier than ever. And that's something I feel like a lot of us in a weird way can probably relate to. Like, you know, who among us has gone oh, it's not that big of a deal. And then really comes and bites you in the butt later, right? Yeah, because, I mean, for a lot, of, I mean, for most human beings, our greatest enemies ourselves, right? As corny yep. as that sounds, it is true. All of the internal battles we're going through, and you're right, it's visually he's fighting himself, but also a lot of, there's a lot of Peter and Eddie Brock, and there's a lot of similarities between mm-hmm. those human beings. So like you said, when these things all start manifesting, and then you're you're combating that, and to bring it back to the visual standpoint, it is a larger, scarier version of himself. It's why he got rid of the symbiote in the first place. So there's a right. lot of things uh, paying off in this in in a negative way, right? A lot of things mm-hmm. paying off in this in this encounter between the two of them, and it it continuously. And when you bring in his friends, and you bring in MJ, who's scared the whole issue at various points, you see her get re- very much freaked out by things. It also just mm-hmm. continues to raise the weight of what Spider-Man is on him and the people around him. And now we got this formidable villain that has my abilities and I don't know. And I don't know how to beat him because it's not coming off the way it did for me. So it it, it continuously builds. There's a nice progression of, uh, of fear in this issue, which is really well done. I think what, what makes this issue work is, is having also read, you know, as we talked about before the, uh, the, when Carnage was introduced, because there's a similarity there, mm-hmm. um, and and the and it's really good writing to take the same idea but still make it work, right? Um, yeah. And you know, and or to build off of that idea, like, okay, well, here's you know, because it sounds so silly at first, right? You know, okay, well, Venom's like the strongest symbiote ever, but and then we're gonna introduce another one who's even stronger and scarier, yeah. and then you know. We as fans, you know, rightfully so, tend to go, okay, all right, right let's yeah. see what this is all about. But if it's done well, which luckily these, you know, this issue as well as those uh, Carnage issues we talked about a few months ago are, you know, they, they're able to raise the stakes in an organic way. So it doesn't just, doesn't feel like a gimmick, right? Yeah, it's, I think they did a nice job with these two. Um, mm-hmm. I know, of course, in modern day, it's really hard to create new characters now and, and, and because it feels like all the ideas are gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you got to get creative. But no, with these two, they did a nice job making Eddie have more of that human battle that you'll later see. Yeah. And then it was one thing to make Cletus just this cold-blooded killer that looked scarier, the red, and had more um, things he could do with the symbiote that were scarier. 
yeah. more brutal, right? Which even threw Venom for a loop, which really threw Spider-Man for a loop. So I think they did a right. nice job of progressing it with these couple of characters without getting corny. And I'll even say what Donnie Cates did with Null, segmented with Null, I think also worked. I think all the other symbiote people in between throughout mm-hmm. the years were kind of like, yeah, here's another one. But then making a god and a cosmic version did kind of up the ante. Not, of course, on the level of Venom or Carnage, that they'll still be the top two and I think unattainable. Sure. Um, but yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you something. Um, as as far as Spider-Man, I, know, I don't think I've asked you this before, but you know, I've had this discussion about Batman comics, but um, what to you makes for a great Spider-Man story? What what's what's the aspect of a Spider-Man story that's that's bringing you back and having you you know craving more? Uh, for me, it's a and which will kind of counter my like for this issue, but but <laughs> we're 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 talking about one specific monumental story versus something that is you know trying to catch my attention overall for me it's always two things there's got to be a personal element mm-hmm. and there's got to be a grounded element that doesn't mean it can't be a really good story of him in space or whatever but, but what i mean by uh, what i mean by a grounded element is him needing to solve or accomplish something by himself with his own capabilities right yes he could have some help here and there mm-hmm. and what i mean by a personal element is i do like when there's an emotional or an interpersonal conflict. Yeah. So he could be with, you know, he could be chasing MJ. He could be with MJ. It doesn't matter. But as long as there's a threat to her or to Aunt May or to something in his life where the weight of Spider-Man is on him. And then the grounded element is he has to overcome that himself with his smarts, with his strength, with something. It'll always be those two. And whenever there's, been stories or runs no disrespect to them that have changed those that have given him either too many resources or too many um capabilities or assistance and then they stripped away too much of what makes peter peter not that he has to always be suffering or not that he always has to be in a hard place but when he doesn't have personal stakes or emotional stakes and when he has more answers to a problem is when I is when I'm not as invested as I am. Hmm. What would you say it is for you? Um, I I'd probably you know parrot a lot of what you just said. I I like the idea of of Peter being you know like a good example is in this story when he shows up with the sonic gun, it falls out of his hands, and he's reaching for it, reaching for it, reaching for it, and Venom goes, you know, are you? You're like you're not going to get that weapon, and they have to have a fight without it. Yeah, it, yes, it's, it's it's interesting. That's that's why we read this stuff, right? We don't want the hero to have an easy answer. Exactly. With, but at the same time, we don't want the hero, we don't want the hero to feel like, well, he couldn't beat this guy no matter what, right? You know, it's it's why I love uh, like Flash season one and Arrow season two because when you have the villains that are, if your hero is at a nine and the villains at eleven. You have to believe that the the hero can yes, overcome yeah. that, mm-hmm. and and I think that Spider Man, at his best, has always done that when, you know, he's got nothing but just his brain, right? And 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 a good example is this issue when he says, "Wait a minute, the webbing his webbing's organic." That means he might run out at some point. My favorite part of it, yeah. It and it just and it speaks a lot to us as the fans going. Like, yes, like Peter's using his brain. He's not just going, I can't beat this guy. I got to go to the Fantastic Four, which obviously he does. But when it's just him and the Fantastic Four stuff isn't available to him, you know, I I like that, that we feel like, okay, there might be an easy out for him, but he's not going to, it won't be available to him. That's, that's gripping storytelling. You know what I mean? Exactly. And to make it even even more symbolic i love that he gets brought to the battle he gets brought to the church right yeah yeah and um that's kind of where the final battle is it's it's twisted by eddie right but it also makes sense in terms of the story and in terms of where you know peter was with the simulator before so he's confronting it all at once and you're right in the end he's not going to beat venom physically he can't he has to beat him with pure smarts and he sees something then he keeps doing it um, in terms of cutting down that webbing and and it's just such a cool way to beat a villain like venom you know what right, i mean because it's right. simple it's simple but you had to go through so much to get there right and and you can understand why it took peter a while to get there exactly you know, it wasn't exactly 
it wasn't an easy win. It wasn't like he'd been planning this the whole time. It was a spur of the moment. Oh, wait, if I just sit and think about it for a minute, I can figure this out. Yeah. And that's um, kind of the best, the best type of storytelling. There was an episode of um, the flash season five, I think that did that. And I don't care much for that season, but there was some good stuff in the beginning. Uh, one episode being, you know, flash talking to his daughter excess. And he says, we have super speed, you know, don't just rush into things like take your time, think, and then yeah. run into battle. And, and she takes his advice later and ends up winning in the episode. I don't remember what episode it was, uh, but I thought that was such a cool use of their powers, you know, to just say it's, it's all well and good to have super speed, but what can you do with that? Same yeah. with, same with Spider-Man. Okay. Like I can't beat him physically. So I'm going to have to outsmart him. How do I do that? Because his genius is kind of his best power, isn't it? You know? Amen. It always is and always will be. Yeah. Um, it, one thing I, I got to say that, that really got me excited in this issue was that it kind of the same ending as Spider-Man No Way Home in a, in a way, right? You know, where it's like MJ says, I, you can't wear that suit anymore. It's it's too scary to me. Like I, I was traumatized by that. She's and he's like, okay, so I guess I'm just running around in my fruit of the looms and web shooters. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she says, oh no no, like here's here's your here's a suit. And and I like that again. A bit of reality that made me laugh was she acknowledges that it's not his real suit. She got that from Germany, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's something he can wear and be the classic Spider Man. And I and I loved that because I kept thinking. Well, that's so interesting because I sometimes forget that there was a long period of time in the comic books where he wore a black suit, um, yeah. whether it was the the symbiote or just the, the cloth suit. So it's interesting to see the moment, which I, I didn't realize was in this issue, um, where, where he says, no, I'm going back to the red and blue because that's Spider-Man. That's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Um, and it's and again, it feels organic it doesn't feel like a like a toy commercial it doesn't feel like well you bought the black suit now you can buy this suit you know it's like it it works in terms of the story even if it's you know in this contained issue and it's a little rushed but not not to the point where i'm like annoyed by it i was very much like no yes that's spider-man you know (laughs) right and it's it was cool like said at the top to make something like this happened where he had to go back to the red and blue and give it a lot of symbolism. And it also yep. represents like a new era, right? He's back in the red and blue, the way that the people respond to that is going to happen. Yep. So, and it's, and it's, I just find it cool. Cause sometimes, you know, in comic books nowadays, or I mean, historically really <laughs> characters get different suits. And mm-hmm. They have reasons and they have them for a little bit or they're, or they don't always stay. And even though it feels a little, a little heavy-handed at the end, yeah. um, at least it wasn't just like in one issue he goes, "I'm just going to wear red and blue." He had this conflict, and there was meaning behind it. You cannot wear this anymore. Right, I cannot right. wear this one anymore because this person. What if he comes back? What if he's out there? The people are scared. MJ scared. I need facing venom and is able to move forward so he moves forward back in red and blue and the aesthetic of it it is i like how you brought up no way home because i thought of this when i saw no way home because it is it's that like wintry shot right yeah hmm hmm mr john watts (laughs) mr feige no they know their stuff they for sure do (laughs) their stuff they know their stuff but yeah no i love that you talked about that because that is that is uh, outside of the venom stuff this also is why I love the issue so much because how it ends and it's, it's, yeah. it's symbolic. He starts in the black and he ends with the red and blue classic. So you get the best of both worlds for great reasons too. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, it, it was just, you know, it, 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 as, as all great comic books do, it got me excited to read more, you know, then it's like, yes, now I want to read when Venom comes back and now I want to read, you know, more of Spider-Man in, in the black suit and in the classic suit, you know, and, um, and even in the part where they're talking about, you know, Robbie and, and Peter are talking, he says, you know, uh, well, science was always my passion. I'm like, well, that's cool that he became like the science reporter, 
you know, uh, yes. not, not too long ago with, with the comic books. I was like, you know, th- that kind of stuff is really cool. And now it makes me want to read that because now I'm thinking about that. You know, it's uh, it, and, and that's that's what great comics do. You know, great storytelling really is that, you know, there's there's an emotional reaction out of us as the as the fans going like, yes, now I'm excited for more. And not to say that having stuff that makes us sit and think for a while is, is, is bad because obviously it isn't. But that's that's sort of where I prefer. I prefer to be excited for what's next or what came before and whatever I can, you know, sink my teeth into. Um, and that's great storytelling. Absolutely. And, and what's cool is they, they have him go away for a while. And then when he comes back, it is scary. Yeah. It is yeah. scary. Again. And that's why this is a fun time. This period of venom is fun because everyone is, like I said, so used to him now um, mm. as, as a satire. So if you're listening and like venom and you maybe haven't read this older stuff where he is a villain and he is scary. And I know eventually we get into the lethal protector stuff. There's a the stuff with carnage. There's a nice progression with these first couple times. Yep. You read it and you're like, man, Peter is scared. I am scared. He yep. comes back. He's like Bane almost. He was like, yeah, he was yeah. like Bane for Spider-Man at this time in which sure. he was utilized. And when he came back for these first couple times, of course, now we've seen every villain um, so many times. So it's not the villain we're scared of. It's the story. Right. Right. So we've seen carnage a lot, but absolute carnage makes him and everything around it ultra terrifying. Right. Yep. But, yep. So he felt like Bane at this time. He, he, I will always say in a way he's like Spider-Man's Bane in a way, of course, different type of character, but in terms of at least at first, the terror and physicality of it all, it's, it's, it, it was there. I a hundred percent on board with that. I love that you put it that way. Um, you know, Nico, this has been such a blast. I'm so That's glad cool. we got to talk about this. Um, I will say before we wrap up, my one complaint about this issue was the way the thing looked. He looked really weird. Did like he? he? Like he carved yeah. his head into a mohawk. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know why. I have to look at it if that's how. I'm not a big, and maybe I'll go to our friend Pete Vera for this because he's he's a big Fantastic Four guy. I've not read a lot Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I did not know if if there was a time where that's what they looked like. I don't know if that was a Todd thing. If that's what Todd wanted to do, I truly don't know. And yeah. I'm and and I'm admitting that somebody tell us. I don't know. We'll look into it. But yeah, I I agree. Some of the some of that design. I was like, what? Yeah, Each like, time I go back, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, wait, he looks like that. Yeah, uh, I I do, but I do love the idea that the the Marvel universe um, feeling more connected, feeling so connected. And it's something that I think the, the DC comics have struggled with a little bit. They're better about it in more recent years, but, sure. but I love that Marvel has always been that way, that it feels like they could be walking down the street and just wave, say hi to each other, you know, exactly. Like, it's a cool element. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I could, I could forgive the weird look for that aspect of it. Um, but, uh, but like I said, this has been a total blast. I'm so excited. We, we got to do this and, you know, cause you had asked for this issue forever ago and I appreciate your patience when we finally got to it. Okay. Happy to be patient for you, my friend. <laughs> uh, so Nico, where, uh, if people are swinging through the interwebs, where can they find you? Cool. Real quick. As always, I just want to say thank you. It's always a blast. Hmm. Our wonderful conversations once again did not disappoint. And today actually flew by. Yeah. I was like, when you wrap, I was like, oh my, we've been talking for a while and it's been so good. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, if you liked our conversation today, if you want to hear more, there's a few places you can find me. The first and best place is always on Twitter and Nico Caruso. That's where everything I do is on there. Um, so you'll see it in my bio or you'll see me tweet and you'll get an idea of me. You, you can talk to me, DM me. I love it. Uh, you can follow the, one of the main podcasts I do that J. Jay said at the top, the Vigilante 1939 that I do with my father and Zeddy. We talk about all, you know, the big things in this space that are huge in pop culture right now. So a lot of the comic book films, a lot of the TV shows, whether it be DC and Marvel, throwing Star Wars in there, sometimes other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of DC stuff well, later. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, there's a lot to talk about with DC coming up. So so if you're into that, I know this is a Marvel show, but if you're into that, go check those out. Mm-hmm. Um, every, every month I do a uh, 
a Spider-Man themed show with my dad and Mr. Peter Vera, who I brought up the Italian Spider-Man coalition where three Italian guys talking about Spider-Man. So we talk Spidey and then we always find a way to throw something food or, uh, <laughs> or, uh, or a Paisan related in there, if you will, which is always fun. I love um, that. I and love then, it. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. Thank you. And once a month um, on the comic binge on YouTube, me, I'm on it doing a bi-monthly Spider-Man thing. And then um, every month, me and my dad are going through the Infinite Crisis DC run. So that's on there. And I do film reviews on TikTok at Nico Knows Film. Um, I'm a big movie guy. So if you like any of that, go to those places. Uh, say what's up. He's <laughs> So it's it's not hard to find Nico out there. That's what he's saying. Yeah, which can be both a great thing and a very negative thing, depending I, on who you ask. I, I think it's a great thing. So I, I love it. You have it. to say that, though. Thank you. Because <laughs> we're pals, so you have to tell me that. No, well, just you know, I, I appreciate it. You know, I have said it to people I don't like, like Zeddy. I, I said it out loud. Oh, I mean, oh I no. mean I'm we'll watch him. He listens and he will text, which I love. <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. I love Zeddy. And I love Pete Vera, sure, who I've invited and, you know, has been too busy to be on the show. Um, busy but yeah, man. He's a busy he, guy. We'll get him on here. We will. Yeah, he, he, he knows he's got an open invite. Um, oh, yes. So, you know, I, I look forward to the next time he and I get to sit down and talk. Uh, and, and Nico, I love your stuff. You know, I love Vigilante and Italian that. Spider-Man and uh, and your film reviews, you know, that I, when I see on, you know, Twitter or whatever, I try to repost because I think you have a... Uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, you're too kind. Well, I appreciate your your honesty about situations and um, in your... And it's, it, and it's, it's nice to see, like, for example, you feel very differently about the first couple of mcu spider-mans than i do <laughs> yeah so one day I, we'll talk about those <laughs> yeah and and but i but i appreciate the take because i appreciate that you are like like a lot of people i know e- even if i don't agree with you there's i don't feel like i'm being antagonized for liking oh what yeah oh yeah like that's and that's I that's like, not the way to go <laughs> listen it's not the way to go and i'll be honest i like uh, a lot of things that a majority of people dislike so i've been on the other side of different opinions before so i try to just give people I, grace i i have texted you and said i i love you you're you're a great guy but i hate morbius <laughs> this <laughs> we'll talk about that too one <laughs> so that that's been that's not been... as bad as people say it is <laughs> but that's but again that's what uh this is all about here um so uh thank you so much nico for being here um as for me you can find me um at um spider-man books on twitter or oh, i lost my headphone um here we go earpiece lost we got it uh, there we are we're back <laughs> you can also find my personal account at four comic junkies that's f-o-r comic junkies uh on twitter uh, you can email me, spidermanbookclub at gmail.com. Give your feedback. You know, uh, honest feedback is always appreciated. You know, if you like the show, always. if you don't like the show, if you have suggestions, you know, please feel free. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm i pretty confident in who I am, so I can take some criticism. Um, <clears throat> not a lot, though, please. But no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and to, to all of you out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, write a review, you know, get uh, get the word out there. And that word is Excelsior.